0: Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences
1: share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Conner.
0: Hello, my friend. It's good to have you here. I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Before we start, I have a question for you. Do you think these podcasts sound like they're easy to make? The correct answer is yes and no. I'm pretty sure that my guests will say yes. It was very easy because it's my job to make the process as simple as possible for them. If you're looking for an easy way to create content for your brand that can be repurposed for multiple channels, I can do the same for you. Schedule a short chat using my Calendly link in the show notes. Now. Get ready to learn all about finding the right people to make your biotech vision a reality. Okay, I have with me today Erica Sosnowski. She is the managing partner of Sosna and Company. Is that how you say it?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Sosna and Co.
0: (laughs) Um, And first of all, I want to shout out to Jennifer Andrews who connected us.
1: Yes, thank you for that, Jeff.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about business development for life science companies and some of the challenges around that, which um, largely based on a recent post you made on LinkedIn, which I found. So for context, uh, tell the listener a little bit about your background, how you got into this, and then also what Sosna and Co. do.
1: Perfect. Sure. So oh, I have been in the industry for 15 years now, it seems crazy, um, but always in a business development, corporate development type role. I started my career in consulting, which is a little backwards to the traditional pathway, but it was wonderful because it provided a platform to see all aspects of the industry, everything from virtual startups through to the Fortune 500 companies. Um, and and not only that but different therapeutic areas different um, uh, stages of companies development biotech versus commercial pharma, um, that type of thing so it was um it was a real launch pad into the industry and then at the end of my time with that consulting company um, I flipped into manufacturing so I thought wow the the business side and the numbers and the networking makes sense, but how do you actually make a drug? And what's that process? And so I remained on the business development side, uh, corporate development side, but it provided a window into the industry that I wasn't aware of from um, the initial the initial introduction. Um, and then after doing that for a number of years, decided it was time to start Sasna & Co. And so Sasna is Really, which stands for pine tree in, in Polish. That's the that's the fun of Yeah, fun sure. fact of the day. Um, and we are essentially a matchmaker in the life sciences industry. We leverage our networks to help our clients close deals. Partnering, nice. licensing, new customer acquisition, MA advisory.
0: Yeah, I like it. We're gonna talk about all of that. I also like the whole idea about how is a drug made. I'm trying to get someone to do a podcast series of course I want to do it for them yes to talk about like the biography of a therapeutic from discovery all not just to approval but then even how that molecule has to go into a pill or something with a bunch of other stuff yes and there's a lot of chemistry behind that I just think it's an interesting thing it takes a lot to get that it does thing take a bed.
1: lot well, a lot of people involved, a lot of regulatory, a lot of quality. So it's, um, it's an intense process.
0: Yeah. All right. So um, the post you had in LinkedIn was talking about challenges founders are, have um, based on a lot of scientists come out of academia, right? And so the first challenge on your list is a network that was limited or at least probably different than the network they're going to need going forward. Mm-hmm. So describe what that means for them and how you help them or what you advise them to do to meet the right people and start making sure. Connections. So,
1: I mean, just by the nature of the business we're in, which is science, right? We typically the founders of companies are scientists themselves. Um, or people who have been touching science early on in the the development process. And so a lot of them are academic, a lot of them are um, chemists, biologists, and their experience lends them to the scientific side and understanding the drug development process, um, which, to your point on the manufacturing process and all of its nuances, is very different from the commercial side of the business, right? And so, a lot of them, their minds work beautifully in science, and we're here to synthesize that messaging, uh, and and get the word out there to the appropriate audience. Because typically, there's a gap. They know other scientific people in the industry, but not necessarily the financial aspect, or or, or even other companies and what they do and how they can lend a hand in the in bringing their drug or their technology to commercialization.
0: So that's essentially the matchmaking part of what you do. Is that right? Yeah. I don't have a, you know, this is not really my world either. I'm drifting that direction, but, um, you there are other companies who could work with them and who one way or another, whether it's licensing, partnering acquisition, and you have a view into that to find mm-hmm. out like, who do we need to help this group?
1: Right. And it, it also starts with strategy, right? It starts with what do you want to be when you grow up? How how do you want to get this drug over the finish line? What are What is the amount of money that you need to get it there? Because we all know that, that developing a drug or a technology, it takes millions of dollars in multiple years. And so from concept, it's Obviously a great idea, but there's all of these hurdles that we have to cross from quality to regulatory, making sure that it's it's good in humans. Right. And so all of these points of the development of a drug provide different challenges to a founder. And a lot of those are the, the initial one. And usually one that's always there is I need money to get to the next stage of development. Right. <laughs> and they just sit there scratching their heads. How do I do that? Who do I talk to? Um and there's various ways to do it. And that's how we help to open up up the network. Um, but it could be non-dilutive funding. It could be funding through um, capital markets, taking your company public, or it could be more of a development style partnership where you're licensing rights to a killer ge- geography to get a cash injection in order to enable that product to continue to move forward. So it really, it's not one size fits all, which is the fun part for me, but, uh, you know, it, it really takes some massaging at the beginning to make sure you get it right. Um, and also to be open for change, because there's a lot of things outside of our control as we go through this process, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love that you mentioned strategy. And then you got me thinking, like, when a, when a company starts up, I'm going to go to school on you. And this may or may not stay in the episode. But like <laughs> how does a company even decide how much money do we need to raise there must be something like we estimate the market and but you don't know exactly what it's going to cost to get that thing to approval but there's got to be some ballpark about what people reasonably spend on development manufacturing regulatory medical affairs and commercialization
1: well yeah absolutely i mean it depends on the therapeutic area it depends on the disease state and the number of people affected by that dis- disease state, right? Because if we're talking about a niche indication that doesn't have very many product, um, very many uh, people, then your your pool of clinical trials is not as large as if you're running an oncology trial, right? Um, yes. So costs vary, but you're looking at s- several million to get you to proof of concept. And then another, depending 10 to 25 million to get you through to phase one and and onwards from there. So, um, it's, (laughs) it, again, it varies. I hate to say that, but it varies. I understand. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I'm just trying to think about the general process. And of course, Mm -hmm. you know, these things happen sequentially. You get a chunk of money to achieve an objective. If you get that, then people are willing to spend a little more money and take you to the next step. Right. It's not correct. A lump and, sum. <laughs> go correct.
1: On. And as you go through the process, getting to those, that next inflection point or that next end point really then acts as the stage for the conversations you're going to have going forward. Um, because if your data is good, that's obviously going to tee you up to continue and the discussions are easier. If there's some challenges in the data, then you have to go back to the drawing board and maybe fix a few things before you can move on. Right. So it's, um, it's, it's definitely interesting. It's interesting.
0: Yeah. So um, talk about, and maybe we're, we're starting to get into this already, but the growth path from being a small company to getting past that to medium and Larger. I mean, I'm assuming no one gets large without some success or even to medium without a product. Is that fair?
1: That's fair. Or a service. That's fair. <laughs> um, I, You know, I think a lot of challenges as a founder um, are trying to find the right people to get you there. Um, people with experience, because it's it's hard when you have limited funds and are an expert in a particular area to really understand the best path forward if in regulatory or in quality or in business development right um, so finding the right people to help support and building that team around you is really going to lead to your success
0: so the key besides money besides the right people yeah Right. And yeah, hopefully you get the right people or that money, the value of it decreases or right? it just goes away.
1: Yes. Yes, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, What do people need to know about how intellectual property and business are businesses are valued? So you're growing a business, presumably, I don't want to assume we're going to exit, but or you're going to go public. So you, mm-hmm. somehow you're going to get paid for the value you're creating in your company but sometimes for a startup biotech you know it's your intellectual property is Mm -hmm. the value if you don't have revenue yet right how do um what do people need to know about that Uh, about how that happens
1: i mean really um, as early as you can it's it's doing the appropriate market research it's getting that valuation done right because the more that you understand your, the market and the way that you can differentiate from everybody else out there, um, allows you to position the product better, more efficiently, um, and really helps to drive the value. And so, again, aligning with the right people that know how to build that valuation is really going to be critical to understanding how you can how you can push the product uh, forward.
0: So I guess it's uh, it's a little bit of. Of course, positioning and understanding the market for your therapeutic and where you think you can make an impact and what people are already paying for perhaps a therapeutic that you're trying to replace or get some of their market share.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that
0: a reasonable way yes, to look at it? for sure. And then you say, oh, we think we can get this much money, so we're going to value your company at this much cost. At currently. X,
1: yeah. And, and every market is different, right? I mean, the North American market is vastly different from the European market, which is different from the Japanese market. So um, looking at the dynamics of each of the markets is is also critical to understanding the IP position and the valuation. Talk a
0: little bit about um, – that you got me curious about how they're different. I presume, one, they value things differently, but because of how um, – Drugs are paid for perhaps how,
1: how drugs are paid for culturally. Right. Reimbursement systems are different in, in different areas. Um, therapeutically some ther- some. Let me back up therapeutically. Um, y- you have different diseases that affect different countries. So there's a lot of obesity in North America not as much in in your some of the European or Asian countries, right? So we see, I would say, different aspects of the business as well when we're looking at the valuations as to how the culture or the region um, really is impacted by the partic- particular therapeutic or technology.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about culture, but that kind of answers it. At least yeah. from a <laughs> North American perspective, I mean... Yeah, I mean, that's a cultural aspect of what the market is, not just how, you know, what we would pay for, but
1: Right.
0: It yes. sort of affects like what we need, what we're willing to pay for, what we see as a priority problem.
1: It's it's presumably. hand in hand, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Um All right. So where where do companies go to find appropriate partners? Oh, to me. Like yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what oh, that looks like. Tell us what know, that the, looks the, like. You the, know,
1: the partnership process, once you understand where you're going and what the strategy is, and if uh, if a partnership is right for you, there's different ways to explore that. Um, obviously, there's, there's conferences, there's a number of networking conferences online access and databases to um, companies that are in the space. Um, maybe it's just word of mouth. Somebody you've worked with before is also in the oncology space, but works with a different company, right? So um, it's, it's all of that. Uh, but what we've tried to do at Sasna is really bring everything into one spot. So we've leveraged our relationships, our network, our database, um, and we're able to synthesize that process very easily. So we can say, okay, you're you're therapeutically in the area of cardiovascular. We can tell you six thousand other companies that are also in the in the cardiovascular space. And here are the ones that may be interested in a phase one product because of X, Y, and Z. Right. So it's it it helps to synthesize it when you know what you're looking for.
0: Right. And. Maybe you could talk a little bit about your process for how you evaluate what type of deal a company could be looking for, whether it's an acquisition, a licensing agreement or a partnership. How does that happen?
1: It depends on the founder. It depends on the strategy, what their exit plan is. They may say, you know, this is my life's work. I want to be here forever. So I I want to take the, the company public or You know, I've done what I can, and as a founder, I know that this is my contribution, and now it needs to get into somebody else's hands, right? Um, It could be directly related to money, so finding that particular partner takes a little bit of massaging, um, but there's lots of options. There's there's options. Big pharma is always looking for uh, up and coming innovation, right? They're they're constantly scouring um, mid size organizations, pharma, biotech, are also looking for new IP to bolt on and continue to build their pipeline. Um, One of the areas that we've had a lot of success as of late is regional partnerships, because to our circling back to our point before, where there's nuances and regulatory requirements different and differ in um, each of the each of the geographies, sometimes it's better to just partner it out and get a cash injection and license for a specific region and let that go, right? And let bygones be bygones and focus on the market that you know best. Um, So I know we've said this before, not one size fits all, uh, but the process is very fluid as we go through it because you never know what a company is going to say until you pick up the phone and talk to them.
0: Right. That was educational for me. So first of all, what does the founder or the board or whoever want, what are their goals? And those are different. I mean, I understand some founders realize I can't do any more. This is it. End of the line for me. Others were going to say I'm in all the way. And then the geographical explanations where mm-hmm. deals are different in different parts of the world. And what do you know? Do you need cash or Whatever, So I am starting to understand how those different things are chosen. Yes. <laughs> which was not something I knew five minutes ago. All right. So now um, you mentioned uh, sort of we talked about valuation, but um, doing those deals and getting what you want out of it. Let's talk about negotiation. Um, I'm going to ask you for your. We best might need a whole
1: other hour for <laughs> to talk so about negotiation.
0: <laughs> so, negotiations are hard even when it's small things, right? I mean, if you're, mm-hmm. you're just negotiating for a salary at a new job, that's difficult. Now, you've invested years of your life, one, just studying a, per, a science, mm-hmm. biology, chemistry, what have you, then more years trying to bring this product to market. And now there's an enormous emotional connection to that. Right? Mm -hmm. And yet I'm sure some people have imposter syndrome and will be happy for anything and could undervalue. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: then others go, I'm the only person who can do this you know, I want a gazillion bucks for this. Right? right. Does that happen, first right. of all? I mean, is that the spectrum? It, of
1: course it happens. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's human nature, right? I mean, you, yeah. <laughs> you you obviously want to get the best value for everything that you put your time into and your energy into. And I think that, you know, it goes back to understanding your market, understanding what differentiation aspects your product or your technology brings to the market. Um, and then backtracking from there. And, you know, it's it's funny because synthesizing the messaging is one thing. You know, you need to be able to explain it in a way that you could explain it to your grandma and she'll understand, right? Somebody who's nascent in the industry doesn't understand a thing. If you can clearly detail what you're doing, that's going to make your life easier. Um, but in that, it's it's also hard for founders sometimes to separate, right? So it's really hard to hear that your baby's ugly or aspects of your baby are ugly. Right. <laughs> but maybe your baby's not ugly. Maybe you just need to dress it in a different way. And so yeah, it's not as attractive
0: that, as you think it is.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> right? And so finding sometimes having that, that third party or somebody else that can help with the negotiation um, takes that initial emotional reaction out of it. Right. And, and lets you kind of step back and, uh, filter the the information as it comes. I would say um, one of the other interesting things is if you know your market well enough, you can the, the deals that are most successful is where you can say, for me, I would like an upfront payment, some milestone payments, and some royalties, but never necessarily give a number to that, right? Let your, your partner, your buyer come to you. Um, and a lot of people will make the mistake of saying, here's what I want. And if they've overvalued their product, um, people will just walk away and not even continue talking. Um, but if they're open to listening, then it kind of lends itself to the ebbs and flows of negotiation.
0: So thank you. And I mean, at the risk of oversimplifying, that's why we get real estate agents, right? You know, part <laughs> yeah, of it is exactly. That they know the process. They know the market. Yes. They do comps. You get comps. Yes. And it's a little barrier um, for the emotional aspects because you don't feel like you're face-to-face with the person who's <laughs> buying your, or selling a house. Right. Right. It, it t- There's a little bit of a buffer there and it doesn't feel so personable. personal. And so with knowledge of the market, And that little barrier, you can more likely get a reasonable deal.
1: I think so. I think it helps for sure. And at the end of the day, the science talks, right?
0: Right, right. I mean, you have sort of, I mean, you have absolutely demystified the whole process for me. And it comes down to things we talk about on this podcast all the time, like knowing the market, knowing your customer. In this case, your customer is an enormous collection of patients and providers and payers and all that mix in different geographies. But you kind of have to understand what the realities are in those different places and and what other people are paying for similar things. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, because at Um, the end of the day, you know, this this for a lot of scientific founders, they come into it for the end goal, which is helping the patient. Right. Um, and there's still the business side to it. And so they, the, the sooner you can marry them together, together, the better off you are.
0: That's a great punchline, but I'm going to ask you, we might end it there, but what have I not <laughs> asked you that I should have?
1: <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. I think that's something. People hate that
0: question. Like, People hate that question. Heard yeah. any good jokes lately? And I mean, that's the same thing in your mind just goes, <laughs> Nothing. Next.
1: No, I, I think you know we've covered it all. We, um, it's the whole aspect of setting your strategy, clarifying your messaging, right, mapping out the success, finding the right people to help you along the way, um, building the target list, and making sure that you're having conversations with the right potential companies or investors. And then closing the deal making sure that negotiation goes the way you want it to and and um you know it's it it is not a one-size-fits-all but um definitely i think with with the right people on board and um, the right mentality you can get it over the, the finish line
0: excellent so erica says thank you so much for all of that i'm going to put a link to Sazna and co and your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Thank you. Your podcast is coming back. It's coming
1: back in the fall and we are launching. It's called the platform. Okay. Um, So it's a, it is just that is it is a platform for uh, companies and founders in the industry to come on and talk about their science, which it's broadcasted to our whole network. Our network is over 80,000 companies globally now. And so it's it's a nice way to organically get the information out there. Um, we're launching a course uh, in the fall as well, which helps these founders to go through the process we just discussed right setting the strategy through to closing the deal um so that's coming up so there's a lot happening so if if uh i'm happy to speak with anybody and and uh open to to lending an ear when and where they need it
0: nice well people should definitely listen to it i think based on this one if they've heard it they're going to so um (laughs) thank you yeah thank you once again for your time
1: Pleasure, likewise, thanks for having me.
0: That was a treat for me, and I hope it was educational for you. So many options for moving ahead and a lot of things to consider. If you're new here, first of all, thanks for joining me. And second, because you're still listening, you probably found this episode valuable. It's likely that your colleagues will also. Please share it with a couple of them, and join me again in a couple of weeks. I have an interesting case study to share with you. As always, I appreciate your listening. Bye-bye.